I'm not sure if you knew, but John, the gospel writer, John, the gospel writer, he is the only one who uses this phrase, Lamb of God. Between John's gospel and Revelation, 30 times he uses this phrase, Lamb. And he's the only one who brings Lamb and Lion together. You see, Matthew writes Jesus as what? As Jesus as being the king. Mark writes Jesus as the as a servant. Luke writes Jesus as the, the perfect man. And John is the one who writes Jesus as the son of God. And he is the one who calls, who gives us this imagery of Jesus being the lamb. The lion who is also the lamb. And John the Baptist is saying, look, behold, you know, that our template, everything that we say, do, act, whatever you do, that our, our paradigms would be about Jesus Christ, that we will say that, that he is the Lamb of God, that, that the very, everything that we do would scream that. Behold, the Lamb of God. But I want you to come with me as you, as you go down this phrase, right, the Lamb of God. Because in 39, uh, see what has happened is uh, when John the Baptist says this twice, his disciples, two of his disciples leave him and start to follow Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? And those disciples says, we want to see where you live. And what they are saying indeed is, we want you to be our rabbi. We want to be discipled by you. And what does Jesus say? Come and see. Can I hear it a, loud, a little louder? Come and come and see. Come and see. You see, the one of whom the prophets were saying, "Behold, he's coming." The one who John the Baptist said he's coming is now the one who's inviting. His invitation is open even today. And so, in 2016, we will not forget that Jesus. The son of God who became the son of man is saying, come and see. You want to see about me? Come and see. That's what Jesus says. Now, stay with me as you keep going down because, you know, when, 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 when Jesus gives an invitation, I want you to understand there are two implications to it. There are among us people, probably, I don't know, who have never accepted this invitation. And if you haven't, I hope 2016 is the time that you do. Because it's an invitation, if you don't accept the invitation, the repercussions are eternal. I want you to understand that. Don't, don't mess with this invitation. This is the Son of God who's come down as Son of Man. And, and if you have accepted the invitation, then you have, there's an implication. You have a responsibility to say that he's the one who invited me and I want you to come and see. And that's why the passage continues, isn't it? Because what happens the very next day what does Jesus do? Uh, oh, sorry, before that, we, we need to see what Andrew does the next, uh, you know, immediately, he says in verse 41 and 42, he says he first found his brother. He first found his brother. He understands the urgency. I, I just love that urgency. He says nothing else matters. We found Christ and there's nothing. No, 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 no. Let, let's, go, let's go find my brother. And I want to say this, and I hope you understand, that if you're not caught up by the urgency of the call, fear of rejection, fear of losing friends, 
fear of looking awkward, embarrassment, all of that will silence us. If we don't have the sense of urgency, if you don't think that Jesus is the one to whom we must draw attention to, that he be lifted up, we will succumb to every other excuse that we have. Now, I want, you, I want you to understand this, that you are just inviting, directing people through your lives and through your call and everything that you do to pointing them to Jesus. It's only Jesus that, that uh, can do the work, not us. It's only Jesus that does the work. I want you to take the slide off, please. But I, I want you to come down to verse 46. Verse 46. The next day, the next day, Jesus goes to Galilee and finds Philip. Come right in. If you can come right up here, you can sit somewhere. Yep. Thank you. Um, he finds Philip. And what does Philip do? Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. He goes, finds Nate. Philip is saying this, Jesus came to find me. I cannot but not find my friend Nathaniel. He goes and finds Nathaniel. Now there's a problem here at this point because Nathaniel asks a question. Nathaniel says, hey, listen, Philip, what are you telling me that you found the Messiah? You know that the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem, right? And Philip says, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's right. And now you're saying that he has come from Nazareth, Nazareth from which no good thing comes. So, Philip, do you understand there's something wrong here? And what does Philip say? He, he doesn't say, how dare you question the Messiah. He, he doesn't say, how dare you uh, question my integrity. You're my friend. He doesn't do all that. What does he say? Come and see. He has the humility to understand that he doesn't have all the answers. Sometimes we are quiet because we think, oh, I don't know how to answer that. I haven't learned it all. I, I want to tell you, there will never come a point when you have learned it all because you don't have the answers. It is Jesus who has the answers, and our responsibility is to say, come and see. Can, can I hear it a little louder? Come and, see. come and see. Come and see. I hope we understand this. I hope you understand this. But I want you to also understand what Jesus does to Nathaniel and how he reveals himself to Nathaniel. Isn't that beautiful? Nathaniel comes in as he's approaching Jesus. Jesus looks at him and he says, Behold a man in whom there's no deceit. And Nate, I want to call him Nate, but you know, he, he says, I, I know I'm a straight shooter and I, I talk straight, but how do you know me? And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, even while he was sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. And what is Nathaniel's response? What's Nate's response? Nate says, behold, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Listen, there's something happening there. We don't know what happened, and that's exactly the crux of the gospel story, because each one of us, when we came to Jesus, Jesus spoke to you, which is unique to you, which I don't know. I might know because you tell me, but it's something that Jesus does one-on-one -on -one as an individual, and he connected with Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's only response was what? You're the son of God, the king of Israel. Ah, Jesus never disappoints. 
you come to Jesus, Jesus who's inviting you, come to him. He is the answer to your deepest need, which is sin and everything else. But I want you to, I, I, want, I want us to go to the crescendo of what happened because Jesus continues on because it's not just one revelation, isn't it? Because each day is better than the day before. And if so, Nathaniel is just proving that to us and Jesus is telling him that. And he's saying, listen, if, if you found this astounding, you're going to see a time when the angels of God are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We know, and Nathaniel would have known, that Jesus is referring to Jacob's dream. But I'm not sure if he caught this. There is two huge difference between what Jacob saw and what's happening in John chapter 1. One of the difference when you see in John chapter 1 is that the heavens are opened. We don't read about that in Genesis. It only says a stairway going into heaven. But here the heaven is open. And the second thing is that the, uh, the angels of God are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's not ascending and descending to the Son of Man. The Son of Man is not on the top of the ladder, but he's at the bottom of the ladder. He has come down. The Son of God has come down as Son of Man so that he'd be the Lamb of God. Jesus is saying, you want a problem, to, you want a solution to your problem of sin? It has to be God alone. God who came down as man. And that is what we've been so coming back to again and again today. John, we, we, we don't seem to be able to go past John 1 today. I hope our hearts are caught in that rapt attention. If your heart's not burning when you read about Christ and about him, get right. Get right. And that we would not be silenced anymore is my thing. You see, one of the things that we take away from this passage is just that, that God uses relationship to build a relationship. It's not always, but most times, because, it, because Andrew knew Peter uh, Peter comes to Jesus. Uh, Philip knows Nate, and so Nate comes to Jesus. And you and I, therefore, given the privilege to go speak to our friends, our relatives, our colleagues, the ones we spend time waiting for the bus or sitting next to in the transit. They have no other means except to you. Let me give you some statistics to show you this. The inviting church, uh, the, search which, uh, the research which says, that, that people came to church 2% by advertisement, 6% by pastoral invitation, 6% by organized evangelism, and 86% by friends and relatives. Two, 2003 study by Johnson, 37% of Christians linked their co conversion to being invited to church. Martha Grace Reese, 40% who joined a church for the first time came because a friend invited and Tom Rainier, Tom Rainier says 2% of church people invite the unchurched. We are less than 100 people here, which means less than two of us have ever invited anyone of our friends or colleagues to come to church on a general statistic. And yet again and again we read that we are the ones through which they often come to Christ. So what I want to do is to very quickly, I know we're, as we're running uh, 
short on time, but I quickly give you two strategies. One is a general strategy, as it were, some of the things that you can do, right? And I, I, I want you to think about these. We have tracks there. I want you to take that track and exchange a track for grocery as you go into to get your grocery. I want you to leave a tip, a good tip, uh, and a track when you have lunch today or any other time. I want you to hum a hymn when you're in the, in the uh, grocery aisle so that you know, somebody listening to you might be, uh, might be all caught up. I want you to, I mean, this is a wacky one, right? This is a wacky one. We've done this. When we take, take a car rental, we set all the radio stations to the closest uh, Christian channel so that the next person who gets on that you know, when he turns it on, we don't know. We, we pray that the Spirit of God would arrest their attention. I want you to do this too. Uh, this is something that you could do. Your Wi-Fi identifier, make it. I know Murli says, Jesus loves you. In that neighborhood, without him having to go speak to anybody, they know that there is a Christian here and that Jesus loves them. These are things that we can do, brothers and sisters. Let the world come and see. Let they come and see. Enough of living for ourselves. Enough. And don't give excuses that I can't do anything. No. These are things that we can do. But I also want you to stay with me as we get into some specifics, all right? So um, uh, Billy Graham's association calls it the Operation Andrew. Because we saw just from this passage, it was Andrew. The first thing that he does is he goes and calls Peter. Right, so he, they call it the Operation Andrew, but I, 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 we've just altered it just a bit, and I want to call it the prayer, the care. Now you can put the slide out, please. The prayer, the care, the share, and the take them there. The prayer, the care, the share, and the take them there. Four steps. I want to urge all of us to identify at least five people in our lives. People who don't go to church, who don't know about Christ, list them down, put them on your, on your fridge magnet or in your Bible reading or wherever so that every time you see that on your dashboard, wherever, that you continue to pray for them, pray for these people. Prayer transforms people, it does. And also pray that God will open your, uh, open your eyes to see who they are, open, your, open their hearts so that they're willing to receive, and that opens our mouth because that's the one that's so difficult to open. Pray about it. Then care. Cultivate a friendship. Call them over for a dinner. Have a potluck. Throw a, throw a jam session and invite your other friends. So create an opportunity to discuss and talk, but pray first. Set a date. Watch a DVD. We have Jesus DVD. Saying, hey, would you like to watch a Jesus DVD? We can do that. Whatever it is, but create opportunities to, um, as you... Um, you know, as, as, you, as you do the care and the share. And then the take them there is, you know, they need to grow. The only way you do a follow-up is to bring them to your Wednesday meetings to, to, to come here at 11.30 or 11.45 or whatever it is. But dear brothers and sisters, if you're caught up by understanding the, the, the intensity or the, or the 
terrible, terribleness of what your friends, your colleagues are going to face, I hope you will burn in your heart. It starts with prayer, and as you say, come, come and see, you keep doing that oftentimes, because John the Baptist kept saying that again and again, that he is not the one, it is not because of him, it is the Lamb of God. It took him at least five times, and so it might for you and much longer. But I don't want you to give up. I want you to know that there is a Savior. There's a Lamb of God who needs to become an experience. Come and see. Come and see. So, as you get to, as we begin this year, and I hope our hearts are about showing the world that there is a God who came down who died on the cross, and by putting our trust in him, by saying, Lord Jesus, thank you, that the Son of God would become the Son of Man, that I can have eternal life, I can have a relationship with God. That joy is something that I cannot keep to myself. I have to pass it on. That I would say, come and see. Come and see. I don't have the answer. You, I know, but but I know someone who has. So what I want to do at this point is to throw open those two questions, the two questions that we keep saying that we want to leave us with two questions that we can talk about during Wednesday or at home during, during the family altar, but I hope you will own it, that you will say, this is something I want to do, that you will say that, uh, let's talk about how do we tear down barriers that prevents me from talking about him? What is it that has kept me silent till 2015. And then take action, as it were. Then discuss in small, manageable groups. You might say, listen, as a family, we're going to do it. Or we're going to say, let's do it as a church group. It's a small group, you know, two or three families, Wednesday evening uh, groups, or whatever it is. You get them together. Let's work on this. Let's start impacting our neighborhood that we will pray for them, we will care for them, we will share with them, and that we will bring them there and bring them to church. Because that is what Andrew did. That is what Jesus did. That is what John the Baptist did. That is what Philip did. And so, so that we will join in the chorus that is sung by millions around the world to join in that song, Come and See. May that be ours. I'll, is there any questions at this point? I hope you will meditate on these thoughts. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you that the Son of God became the Son of Man. That he came down to become one of us yet without sin. He came down to experience with us so that he can say, I know your heart. I know what you're going through. I understand not just as a knowledge, but an experience. He can empathize with me as a high priest so that he can represent me to God. There's too many things here, Lord, that such wonderful things. Our hearts are indeed caught up in the majesty and the glory of your son. And we pray, Father, that we would not be silent that another year would not go by, Lord, without just keeping quiet. Lord, that in everything that we do, our template would scream out that Jesus is the Lamb of God who can take away the sins of the world. May that be true for all of us here, Lord. In Jesus Christ, the Lord's name.